Well, good morning to you. It is so good to see you, and thank you so much for being here today. I know it's a little messy outside, but uh, I'm glad you were willing to brave the weather to come. Uh, We are uh, celebrating homecoming today, and it's so good to see uh, some familiar faces with us that we haven't seen in a while. Thank you so much for coming back and being part of our worship uh, with us today. It's good to have you with us. Hope you'll stay and eat with us. We've got uh, a lot of great food. Some, If we don't have anything else today, we're going to have desserts, okay? Uh, now, granted, all the other food is out there, but that dessert table, I'm telling you what, the, you guys did great with it. Thank you so much for all the desserts you have brought in. Uh, just a couple things. I hope that you picked up a bulletin on the way in or, or at least was handed one uh, as you made your way in. Uh, just want to call your attention to two things real quick, one being our VIP Sunday. Uh, we have our invite cards. I guess they, are they still up there? I can't see them because of the flowers. But we have the invite cards, which uh, are dark colored. They're up here on the front. And what we're asking you to do is to begin praying now uh, about someone who is unchurched or dechurched. Now, dechurched just simply means they used to go uh, but have fallen out of church and aren't going anywhere right now. So, uh, identify that person, pray about it, ask God to show you who that person may be. And then I want to encourage you to uh, go to them with the invite card and invite them to be your VIP on that Sunday, that uh, Sunday, November the 19th. That's the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Uh, who knows, we may have a big, we may put another big meal on out there and feed everybody. Uh, but we want to have a day where we help those folks be reintroduced or introduced to uh, the church and have an opportunity to start building relationships with those individuals. So that's what VIP Sunday is really all about. Uh, also, if once you secure a yes, not a maybe, or I think so, or I'll try, or let me see, none of those now, but you get a yes uh, out of them, then we've got uh, response cards up here uh, on the on the communion table. You write your first name only and their first name only, and then our ladies are going to pray over those cards. And then those response cards are going to go on our banner that's out in the front foyer. So uh, starting next week, you're going to start seeing those cards pop up on the banner. Uh, You'll know that people are being invited, that yeses have been received. Uh, I'll go ahead and tell you, I've got one down here somewhere. It got moved. I didn't want to tell you to do it and me not do it myself. Bruce will be my VIP on that Sunday. And I've got uh, an appointment with someone that I'm uh, going to be talking to this week. And so hopefully next week I can announce that VIP. But Bruce has given me a yes. So Bruce and his son are going to be my VIP on that Sunday. Uh, so this one will be prayed over this Tuesday by our ladies, and then it will go up on uh, the banner. And if you have a yes, you can bring yours. Uh, I believe there's another one up there as well, so there's at least two. So uh, get that yes from them. 
That's VIP Sunday. The second thing, uh, missions offering. During the entire month of September, we're receiving uh, an offering for the North Carolina missions offering. Uh, That money is used to do some amazing work uh, in North Carolina and around the United States. Uh, You've heard of our disaster relief teams that have rushed to these places of natural disaster, whether it's tornadoes or hurricanes or floods, uh, even fires. And these teams go there. They help those people minister to them. This money helps make that ministry possible through the North Carolina Baptist Convention. So I want to encourage you to give to the North Carolina Missions Offering. If you would like to give, there is a special envelope for that that's out in the front foyer. Uh, You pray about what God would have you to give, and you drop that in uh, the offering box out there. And every penny of that will be used to minister to someone uh, in our state and in our nation who is in crisis. Thank you again for being here today. We're going to take just a moment to pray together. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you've got an announcement. You told me that. I'm sorry. All right, a lot of you, if you see me holding this, you may already know what this is. Is my mic on? Did you turn it on? Yeah, I did. Huh? Huh. Okay. There we go. Now I'm on. I think I'm on. No? Okay. All right. When you see me standing up here with this, most of you already know what this is. But uh, in three weeks, on Saturday, October the 7th, uh, Jim and I will be joining our Epiphany Ministries of North Carolina volunteer team. And we will be going once again into the Cabarrus Youth Development Center, which was formerly the Stonewall Jackson Correctional Facility. We will be spending the day there with the volunteers, just being the hands and feet of Christ and showing these young men some some Jesus love. And part of that is letting them know that people from all over the world that they will never even meet are going to be praying for them. And we do we show them that by bringing in a prayer chain. So if you would covenant to pray for the team and for these young men on that day. Um, If you will take a strip, they're out in the vestibule on one of the end tables. There's a little bucket. There's all different colors. Just print your name and your your first name and your last initial. And just put it in the empty tub, and I will be sure that it gets on that prayer chain. And if the Lord leads you to uh, support us financially, a donation of just $5 provides a meal that day. A donation of 10 provides a Bible that we will give to each one of those young men. So I thank you in advance and just ask that you would please covenant to pray for us. Well, let's take a moment to pray, and uh, we'll move into our time of worship through song. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, it's so good to be in this house of worship on this Lord's Day. And Lord, we thank you that we're able to pause uh, on this Sunday and celebrate the anniversary of this ministry called First Baptist Church of Locust. We thank you, Lord, for the years that you have allowed this ministry to exist and to be a part of this community. And God, we thank you for the many men and women who uh, you have raised up in and through this church ministry that have served this community, that have served their families, that have served this church. They have loved you with their whole heart, and they've given you their energy. Lord, we thank you for each one of them, and we realize that today uh, we are standing on their shoulders because they have done a good work. Help us to be faithful in what you've called us to do. Uh, Lord, that we will be that person, that next one up to to take the mantle 
and carry the gospel to the community that is locust and be able to love those who are searching and, and needing to hear the truth, Lord. We pray that there will be many, many years more of this great ministry. Lord, we thank you for those that are in this room right now. Lord, we thank you for every person who has given of their time and their energy to come. And we just pray, oh God, that today's going to be a great day. That it's going to be a day when our hearts are open toward heaven, that our ears are in tune with the Holy Spirit, and we will hear your voice as you speak to us your truth, and that we will respond to you with our worship and our praise and our adoration. Truly, God, you are worthy of all praise. And today we come to offer you all that we are and all that we have, knowing, God, that uh, we are nothing without you. So guide us in our time together, Lord. May it truly be a time of worship is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm going to invite you to please stand and join us as we worship together. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Our God, you reign for.
Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this homecoming Sunday. Uh, God, as Pastor Tommy alluded to, or he said that uh, we're only here because of what happened with our forefathers and those before us. And uh, we thank you, God, for your hand. Being this church in the past, we pray that you continue to be with us in the present, and especially, Lord, in the future. Be with Pastor Little as he delivers your message, and we thank you for the tithes and offerings, and we just pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Thank you for your singing. You may be seated. Let me just remind you, he is coming. That's not an if or a maybe. It's only a when. And we know that he is coming again. And I don't know about you, but what a great day that's going to be when we are able to see Jesus face to face. I know for me that's something that excites me, thrills my heart, and thrills my soul. Before I introduce our speaker today, I want to do two things. Number one, I want to give a shout out to our youth. Now granted, I pestered them a little bit with postcards, and so I... They may have done it just to get me off their back, but uh, we had 12 youth in in Connect Group this morning, and I was thrilled by that. So thank you guys for showing up. And if uh, you would be part of our, our Youth Connect Group and you weren't able to make it today, we'd love to see you next Sunday. I uh, would love to have you in there. Uh, we're actually going through a, a study by Ken Ham talking about uh, from Answers in Genesis. Uh, and today we talked about how God's Word is the foundation for uh, all of history and how we can find truth there. Uh, secondly, I want to let you know that uh, I found it yesterday morning by 8 o'clock that I've got to do a funeral this afternoon at 2. So uh, as soon as we get through uh, with our service here, uh, I'm going to get uh, Pastor Jack and Miss Jan and, and me and Miss Rhonda are going to slip out the side door and run and get in the front of the line, if that's okay, because we're going to have to eat really quick uh, before we drive uh, to where this funeral is going to be uh, this afternoon. The pastor came down with COVID, so I'm going to step in in that place and uh, fill in for that. So just know that if I'm not at the back to greet you as you leave, Please accept my apology for that. That's not uh, me shunning you or not wanting to meet you. Uh, it's just a matter of, uh, of time, and so we'll have to take care of that. Well, our guest preacher today, I'm just curious, how many of you have, have heard the littles sing? Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Then, I don't, then he's no stranger to you then. Uh, he and his wife, Jan, are able to be with us today, and uh, uh, Pastor Jack has actually been here before. I think you've preached with us before, and, and his family has sang here before, and uh, such an amazing, amazing family. Uh, love Brother Jack, love Miss Jan. Uh, we were all called out of the same church to preach at the, the same time, and uh, he is one of several of us that came out of Trinity Baptist Church in Monroe about the same time. And so uh, he has been uh, my brother in Christ now. Uh, well, I've been doing this for right at 32 years, so we've kind of known each other for a little while, haven't we? Yeah, don't tell anything on me that you don't want me to tell back on you, okay? All right. So uh, this morning, our uh, guest preacher is uh, Reverend Jack Little. Uh, Brother Jack, you come and share with us what God has laid on your heart, and feel free to close this service as you see fit. All right, well, good morning. 
I was, uh, Tommy, uh, I was thinking coming uh, in this past week as we were getting ready to be with you today, I was uh, reminded of some of the same things you've already mentioned. Uh, we've known one another for a long time now, go back into the 80s, and, and I've already concluded that uh, anything that I may be able to tell on you, I will not for that very reason, because if you think long enough, you'll be able to tell some things on me too, I am sure. So, uh, you know, it's funny what you think about when you're uh, in, in the congregation. You know, sometimes your mind will just wander and uh, uh, certainly not during the music we were paying attention and singing during the music but but uh, miss nancy when you came up on the platform to make that announcement i whispered a little prayer right there i looked at those steps and i thought okay lord i'm not as young as i used to be i'd be grateful if you'd not allow me to stumble and fall going up these steps and so he's 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 been good to that end so far but then brother tommy i got to looking at him and i thought lord uh, I guess at the same time that I'm praying that, don't let me get uh, involved in what I'm preaching and walk off of these steps and not mean to walk off these steps. Um, a dear friend of ours, I believe brother, brother uh, Dr. Lynch has been here and preached for you for, right? I didn't know if you'd ever had Dr. Lynch or not, but Dr. Ron Lynch was preaching at our former pastor's church, Ron Ridley, there at Pleasant Plains in Matthews, and they'd recently renovated their platform and gone from where it just had two sets of steps coming up each side to the steps like what you have. And Dr. Lynch wasn't paying attention. He walked off of those steps right in the middle of his message. So I've already prayed today that the Lord would keep me safe coming up and while I'm preaching and going down. So, But you know what? If he wants to, for you to have a good laugh out of me falling... I won't like it, but we'll go along with it, okay? So we're not going to have any plans to do that. It is a joy for us to be with you here this morning. Brother Tommy, thank you so much for uh, the invitation to come. It's good to see you and be, be good to have, a, even though brief, a short time of fellowship with you and Miss Rhonda and your family. We're just delighted to be here today. If you would, take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me this morning to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number 2 is where we'll take our text from this morning. While you're finding your place there, let me just make a few introductory comments. We'll try to get you out of here in a timely manner so we can go eat. You know, there are a lot of miracles in the Bible. Is that a fair statement? I mean, there are a lot of miracles. When I was preparing this message, I got to thinking about some of the miracles that were in the Bible, and then it dawned on me, the Word of God starts with a miracle, does it not? There in Genesis, the creation of the world where God uh, God created something from absolutely nothing is what that text says right there. So you think about miracles in the Bible, you have to start with the creation account. And then you, you, you just let your mind wander a little bit. I thought about that burning bush that, uh, through, that God spoke through when He talked to Moses that wasn't consumed. I, I thought about the, the plagues that God sent on Egypt, miraculous in and of themselves. I thought about God parting the Red Seas when He, when he uh, freed His children from Egypt. Egyptian bondage. I thought about the miracle of the manna in the wilderness, things like that. I thought about the miracle of God pushing back the waters of the Jordan River so that the children of Israel could go into the promised land. I thought about the cleansing of Naaman of his leprosy. I thought about the axe head that floated. I thought about donkeys talking in the Word of God. I thought about water being changed to wine and the raising of Lazarus and the and, and Jairus' daughter, the 5,000 that were fed. And certainly, if you're talking about the many miracles in the Bible, you must include the resurrection, right? I mean, certainly that is a miracle in and of itself. You can't leave that out. But do you know what? As great as all of those miracles were, they may not be the greatest miracle. You say, what do you mean, Jack? 
Simply this, I was reminded uh, this week of a song. Uh, if, if any of you are familiar with the, with the gospel music quartet, Greater, um, not Greater Vision, Gold City Quartet. Back many years ago, I guess it would have been in the 80s, Tommy, when we were at Trinity Baptist Church, uh, they came out with a song entitled, The Greatest of All Miracles. Now, if you've never heard that song before, let me tell you what the chorus says. The chorus goes like this, I believe there is power in the blood of the Lamb. And I believe that there is healing in the touch of His hand. But the greatest of all miracles is when my Jesus saved me. For I know what Jesus did for me. You know, here in the book of Ephesians, Paul talks about this miracle of salvation. When God, think about it, it's when God takes an unworthy sinner such as you and I and changes us into a child of God and, and put, makes us a part of the royal family. Can I spend just a few moments this morning talking with you about the miracle of salvation, specifically looking at it from through the lens, if you will, of our past, our present, and our future. So the miracle of salvation as viewed through the lens of our past, our present, and our future. Now before we get into the message this morning, let me tell you something that is a, just, it, it is a fact. There are two types of people gathered in this room this morning. Are you ready? There are those of you who know Christ as Lord and Savior, and there are those of you who may not. There are those in this room who are saved, to put it in church terminology, and there are those in this room that are lost and apart from Christ. And here's how I pray that this message would apply to you and I here this morning. First of all, if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm here this morning just to remind you of the miracle, the wonderful miracle that God wrought in your life when He saved you. If you're here this morning and you do not know Christ as Lord and Savior, here's what I hope will happen. I hope the Holy Spirit will show you where you are this morning spiritually in your relationship with God your Creator. I hope that He'll impress upon your heart the consequence of you dying in that position right now. I hope He'll show you where you are now going and where you could be going if you come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. So let's talk about this passage of Scripture very quickly here this morning. First of all, I see the miracle of salvation when I consider our past condition. You say, well, why is that important, Jack? Why do we need to look at our past condition? In fact, some of you in this room might say, I do not care to revisit my past because I don't want to think about my past. Well, really what you're saying is, is that you don't be, want to be reminded of, and I understand, some of the things that we did in our past. We don't want to be reminded of that. But that's not really what I'm talking about right here when I say your past condition. Because what I'm really talking about is your condition spiritually before the Lord. Let me give you two reasons why I think it's important that we consider our past when we think about the miracle of salvation in our lives. First of all, it's so you don't forget where you came from. Well, there's danger in you and I forgetting where we come from. Is that not true? It is. But the second reason is that I think we need to be as a church reminded this morning of where God has brought us from is so that we do not forget those that are still there. There's a danger that you and I, we get comfortable in our Christianity and we forget about those who were where we once were. And they don't become important to us anymore. And they don't be, they, we, we cease to place them as the priority of what we're here for as a church. And so, let's look at this. So, before coming to Christ, what was our condition? Well, look in verses 1 through 3 of, of Ephesians chapter number 2. 
Paul writes, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others." If you're here this morning and you know Christ and you know, you know Him as Lord and Savior, this is where you were. This is your past condition. If you don't know Christ, this is where you're at right now today, even as we speak. I'm going to sum it up in a word, just like Paul used right here. He says you're dead. You're dead. You're dead and you're trespasses in sin. And you might say, well, there's never been a time when I've died. As far as I know, I'm breathing and I'm living today. I'm not dead. Well, that word right there literally just means separation. It's talking about separation, specifically from God, your Creator. It's talking about the separation in our lives that uh, that has us separate from His His divine light, if you will, separated from His grace, separated from His blessings, separated from being a part of the family of God. Spiritually dead is what Paul is saying right here. Cut off from God. Spiritually dead. Think about it in this way: destitute, if you will, of a life that recognizes God for who He is and a life that is devoted to God. Think about the meaning of that word. You are living in the poverty of sin and suffering all the consequences of it. You are earning the wages that were due you because of your sin, receiving, if you will, the just compensation, literally death, separated from God, your Creator. That is either where you were or whether where you are this morning. You know, the Bible is very clear, Brother Tommy, that the wages of our sin is death. You right? Am I right? That's what it says. The wages of our sin is death. Both, now we know that to mean both physically and spiritually. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, we know what happened right there. Physical death entered into the human race. But they were also separated. They were cut off from that relationship that they had known with God up to that point. Now, you say, well, what difference does it make about my spiritual, about, about being spiritually dead? Well, here's the danger in it, ladies and gentlemen. If you find yourself here this morning and you do not know Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you die a physical death in that state, your spiritual separation from God becomes for all of eternity. Forever. In a place that the Bible calls hell. You say, well, Jack, I don't even know if I believe there is a hell. Well, guess what? Your lack of belief in the reality of hell doesn't lessen its reality one bit. Not one bit. Not one bit. Jan had a, a co-worker. And I don't even know. I, I, I meant to talk with her about this to see if she remembered who this was. But uh, I remember. She came home from work one day many years ago, Tommy. Probably back in the uh, late, uh, late 80s, maybe. Something like that. And this, she said, you know what so-and-so said to me today? I said, what's that? She said, she came to me. She said she had a dear, dear friend that passed away. And would I pray for that friend? And I thought, well, you know, <laughs> time for praying for her is probably over with at that point right there. Uh, because the reality of it is, is that if you die lost, that's how you die. There's not an in-between. There's not some place where you can go and, and, and hope that God will you know, work things out. There's not a purgatory or anything like that. I want to point one other thing out about your past condition and about my past condition. Look at it in verse 2 and 3 again. The Bible says right here that a lost person walks according to the course of this world. 
They take their values from this world. They live like this world. They talk like this world. They're a child of disobedience. You know what that word means right there? It means that you are in a place of stubborn opposition to the divine will of God. That you were walking, the Bible says, according to the prince of the power of the air, namely being Satan. That you and I, before Christ, we were living in the desires of the flesh. We were fulfilling the desires of our flesh. In other words, we were doing it our own way and doing our own thing in life before Christ. I want you to think about this for a moment. Does that not adequately describe? Now, listen. I know that we have different backgrounds. I know that our lives before Christ are different from person to person. And the degree to which you are living in the world varies from person to person. But the reality of it is, is when I read those passages of Scripture where Paul is describing my life before Christ, I have to just say, yep, that was it. That was me right there before Christ. That was me. That's how I live. Can I tell you why I live that way? Because it was normal for me to live that way. You say, what are you driving at, Preacher Jack? Well, a couple of things, but not the least of which is this. It's, it's normal for a lost person to act lost. We lose sight of that sometimes, especially within the confines of these walls right here. We expect someone to come in here sometimes from our community that's got it all together. Well, folks, they don't have it all together. Neither do you, by the way, but they don't have it together spiritually because they are lost. They're going to think like this world. They're going to act like this world sometimes because they are of this world. You get it? If you do, just nod your head. I mean, you get it? So we ought to be careful when we have people come into our church that we don't look down our noses at them. And we, because we need to remember that we were exactly at one time in life where they are right now. We were lost without Christ. We were living according to the course of this world. We were living under the mastership of Satan, if you will. You know what? I said it was normal. Let me give you another thought here right quick. All you had to do to be under this, 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 this description right here is to be born. That was it. That's all you had to do was to be born. You see, it's in your nature. That's what Paul says right here. Who by nature were the children of wrath. You, did, you didn't become a sinner, ladies and gentlemen, the first time you sinned. You sinned because you are a sinner by your very, very nature. Now, I know that flies in the face and goes contrary to what some people believe. But I, that's where it's at. It's an inherited trait, if you will. It was a trait that was passed on to you from your great times, a bunch of times, grandfather, if you will. It started all the way back at Adam. The head of the human race. And it's passed all the way down that sinful nature to you and I. So it's normal for a lost person to act lost because they are lost by their nature. Believer, think about this with me just a moment this morning. That's where we were. At one time we were lost, living uh, by by the desires of our flesh. We were guided by the things of this world. and, And that's how we were living. And you know what? I'm reminded of of where I was as I was preparing this message, and I'm, I'm thoughtful of those that are still there, maybe even some of you seated in this room right now. It's a hopeless position to be in, if you stop and think about it. I mean, it's a hopeless condition, if you will. But guess what? It's not without hope. And so what I'm saying simply is this, to be clear. If you're here today and you do not know Christ as Lord and Savior, your situation, your condition in life may seem hopeless, but you have hope today. There is hope. Salvation is miraculous when I think about it, when I look at it through the lens of our past condition. But I want you to think with me secondly, that salvation 
is miraculous to me when I, when I consider it through the lens of my present position. Where I'm at right now. Uh, where, where you as a believer are at compared to where you were before you're uh, coming to know Christ. Look in verse 4 and 5. Paul writes, But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. But God. I love that term. If you don't, if you don't have it underlined in your Bible, you ought to. But God. Think about it. I was lost and dead in my sin. But God. I was headed for an eternity in a godless hell. And so were you. But God. I was hopeless. Spiritually dead. But God quickened us. Gave us life spiritually. Made us alive in Christ. In other words, He brought us from our previous condition to our current position. But God. You ought to be thankful that the Bible has several of those in it. But certainly in this case, you were in a place of hopelessness, but God stepped in. But God, the Bible says, who is rich. And by the way, that word in the Greek language means exactly what you think it does. It means rich, abundantly wealthy. Who is rich, listen to this, uh, and, and wealthy in His mercy. Here's what He did for you and I. He sent His only begotten Son to die for us. Now, folks, can I tell you something today? If you got up this morning and wondered if there was anything for you to be thankful for, I've given it to you right here this morning. Amen? We ought to be thankful today for the mercy of God. We ought to be thankful today for the, uh, the merciful God, for a God who, who took or who looked on our miserable, helpless condition and said, not only do I want to help them, but I have the resources to help them. We ought to be thankful today to, for, to, 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 for His mercy in that He withheld from you and I what we rightfully deserved. And that's to be separated from him from all eternity. You say, I don't know if I agree with that, Preacher Jack. Well, I'll tell you to refer to the book of Romans. The book of Romans says that the verdict on you and I had already been passed. And we stood in God's courtroom guilty. And the Word of God uses the word condemned before God. But God, here's what He said. He said, I'll take your punishment. I'll go to a cross. I'll be crucified on your behalf. I'll be buried. I'll rise again three days later, defeating death, hell, and the grave, so that you, think with me a moment, so that you who were once dead can be made nigh unto me by the blood of Christ, made alive, have a new birth from above, which is exactly what we needed. When I think about the new birth, I think about its necessity. Jesus looked right square in the eyes of one of the great teachers in Israel. And old Nicodemus was, I don't know what he was trying to get at. Maybe he was just trying to be, I don't know. But you know, you know the story. Master, you know, hey, hey, look, you know, I, I don't, we know that you're a great teacher sent from God. There's no question about that. And before he could get another word out of his mouth, what did Jesus say? Say it out loud. You must be born again. Are you hearing me, ladies and gentlemen? Don't tune me out right here. You must be born again. There are no ifs, ands, ors, or buts about it. You must 
be born again. Now, I want to tell you something today. In the world that we live in right now, that terminology is not well received in a lot of churches across our land. They want to water it down and call it something else. You need to have this personal relationship with the Lord. Listen, you must be born again. And I do not care how long your name has been on the roll of this church or any other church. If you've not experienced the new birth that Jesus told Nicodemus about, you have no hope here this morning. None whatsoever. None. You must be born again. That's biblical wording right there. You must have experienced a new birth in your life. You must have passed from from death unto life. You must know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And listen to me. If you know Christ this morning as Lord and Savior, you have experienced exactly what I'm talking about. You have experienced a new birth. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, you've never come to Him and asked Him for forgiveness, then you are in need of this new birth. And so here's something that you need to understand. This new birth that, 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 that Paul is talking about here when he talks about you hath He quickened, you hath He given new life to, He's brought you from death unto life. This new birth that I'm talking about here this morning is not something that is merited. In other words, you can't earn it, nor do you deserve it, nor is it a position that, that, that you can, can earn, as I've said already. John 1, 12 makes that perfectly clear. You say, what are you driving at, preacher Jack? Simply this. This new birth, this being quickened, this being made alive that Paul is talking about right here does not come about by generation as John said in other words you can't be born into the family of God because your mom and physically because your mom and dad were Christians you follow what I'm saying just because mama and papa were believers doesn't mean that that gets passed down to you somehow or another it's not by generation John went on to say that it's not by reformation in other words you can't come I can't I listen you cannot decide today you know what Oh, I think I'm going to clean up how I've been living. I'm going to do better today. I'm going to turn over another new leaf this new year. I think I'm going to start coming to church. In fact, I might even join First Baptist Church of Locust. You know, I'm just going to start doing better. Folks, that's not a new birth. That's nothing more than reformation. You trying to clean yourself up to be acceptable unto a holy God. But it's not by confirmation either. Brother Tommy and I can't bring you down to the front of this church this evening and, and say a few words over you and, and wave our Bible or anything at you and, and confirm that you are now a child of God. It doesn't work that way. It's not by generation. It's not by reformation. It's not by confirmation. You say, well, Jack, how does it happen? I'm so glad you asked that question. Look very quickly. He, Paul's already alluded to it here. He said, by grace are you saved, parenthetically right there. But let's read it in verse 8 right here. You know these verses. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God not of works lest any man should boast here's what that tells me right there it tells me very clearly plainly and talk that's easy to understand here it is you cannot do anything to obtain salvation you cannot you can't be good enough you can't do good enough you can't act good enough you can't good enough of anything you just can't all you can do is accept God's gracious offer by faith of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, folks, this new birth we're talking about, it happens at that moment that that the Holy Spirit of God just grabs your heart and says you're lost. That you come to a, a real place of understanding that you're lost and that your condition is hopeless. And that you begin to see that I'm in this hopeless position and the only thing that I can do is by faith 
and repentance, turning from my sin and my self-effort, the only thing that I can do is trust in what Jesus did for me on the cross as being complete, full, and sufficient payment for my sin debt, believing in my heart that God has raised Him from the dead on that third day. And you know what happens right there when that lost person understands where they're at and sees their need for Christ, and they by faith come to Christ... I don't understand it all. And I, you know, Brother Tom, you might be able to explain it better than I, and that'd be okay. I don't fully grasp how it all happens, but all I know is this, is that when a lost person by faith comes to Christ, understanding that they're in need of a Savior because of their sin, and they're willing to turn from their sin, and by faith, trusting what Jesus did, ask Him to be their Lord and Savior, here's all I know, is that instantaneously at that moment, that the miracle of salvation takes place, in their lives and they are translated from being spiritually dead and to being quickened and given new life and God imparts that miracle of salvation to them and they are moved from their past condition to a present position if you will that the Bible describes here as being seated in heavenly places they're no longer under the control or the dominion of the power of the prince of the power of the air of this world but now you're under the control of the spirit of God because he lives now within you now folks listen Christians listen to me I don't know whether you've thought about this lately but that is absolutely nothing short of a miracle that God has worked in your life and in my life nothing short how is it that God takes a a a sinner who who has been condemned before him and translates us from that place of condemnation and raises us to new life in the Lord Jesus Christ Can I just be honest with you today? If you stop and pause and think about that for just a moment, boys, He's worthy of our praise. Amen? I'll just leave it at that. He is worthy of our praise. You see, salvation to me anyway is miraculous when I look at it through the lens of my past condition. Salvation is a miraculous event in the life of a, of a person when, when I consider it through the lens of my present position. In other words, where, where I was versus where he's brought me to right now. But I want you to notice finally this morning that salvation is miraculous in my view and in my eyes when I look at it through the lens of our future transition. Our future transition. Look at verse 7. Let's start at 6. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's what what God has done for you through salvation. He's raised you above being in this world and of this world. 7. That in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and, and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Another translation says that in time to come He might make clear the wealth of His grace and His mercy to us in Christ Jesus. You know something, ladies and gentlemen, when I think about being raised to sit in heavenly places now, when I think about the fact that God has raised me to these heavenly places, I just cannot help but stop and think at least for a moment about where He's going to take me to and where He's going to take us to one day as His children. How that in the ages that are to come, He will really show us the full wealth of His grace and mercy in our lives. When I think about my future transition, my friend, I think about 
about things like this. I think about how one day my positional place of being in Christ, uh, being saved by grace from the, from the filth of my sin, I think about how being raised to heavenly places, that, 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 that idea will one day not just be positionally for you and I, but it's become, going to become a practical reality, if you will. Heaven will become a reality in our lives. Folks, heaven is not some, some story uh, some, in the Bible that just sounds good. It's real. It's real. And when I think about but what, but what Jesus said about being raised to heavenly places, I can't help but get to thinking about what Jesus told those disciples in that upper room before He went to the cross. I can't help but in my mind's eye imagining just for a moment Jesus sitting there saying, Now boys, this is my loose paraphrase. There's mansions in my Father's house. And He's got one for you. And I'm going to prepare you one. If I go, I will come again and receive you unto Myself. Those are the kinds that I think about. I get to thinking about that day that is coming. What Paul described that when the Lord Himself, that the Lord Himself will descend with the shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. I get to thinking when I look at this passage of Scripture about the dead in Christ. Can you just imagine that? The dead in Christ, they're going to rise first. Then we which are alive and remain, we're going to be called up together. I get to thinking about the fact that when that event takes place, that we will forever be with the Lord. We'll forever be with the Lord. Now listen. There is coming a day, as Jim Hill wrote in his song. And it's coming quick. You look at the condition of our world, it's coming quickly. But there is coming a day, ladies and gentlemen, when the saints of God, the children of God, we're going to make a transition from this present position. That's a fact. But now here's something you need to understand. Not just the children of God, not just the saints of God. One day, every one of us are going to make a transition into eternal life or eternal damnation. One or the other. One or the other. And really the only question is, is where, where, where will you transition to? See, that's when this message becomes very personal and real, if you've been listening at all. When your time comes to leave this world, where will you transition to? Will you go to the heaven that those who have been made alive spiritually in Christ will go to? Or will you be more like the rich man that Jesus talked about? And in hell, lift up your eyes. It's one or the other. There's not an in-between. And it is all dependent upon your present position. Whether you are presently, I told you at the onset of the message, there's two kind of people here in this room this morning. There are those of you whose position is alive in Christ. And there are those of you that may be in this room that your position right now, if you'll just be honest, is you're walking according to the course of this world because you do not know Christ. Can I put it this way to you that maybe have never trusted Christ that might be in this room? Your future transition is not going to work out well for you. It's just not going to. But I want you to hear me clearly this morning. If you die and you slip 
into eternal separation from God. It will not be because He hasn't made a way for you to be forgiven. It won't be because God didn't care about you. It won't be because of anything else other than the fact that you determined in your heart that you didn't need Christ in your life. It'll be because you, not because God would not accept you, but because you would not accept His free offer, offer of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. But you know what the good news is? I've touched on it all morning. The good news is, is that you're not without hope. Your condition may seem hopeless, but you are not without hope. And the good news today is that this morning, you can make a change in your current position of being spiritually dead and move to a place of spiritual life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Become one of His children. Here's what you can do this morning. You can ask the Lord for forgiveness here in this room, in this place, this morning. You can ask Him for forgiveness. You can, in an act of repentance, turn from your sin and your self-effort and place your complete and total trust in what Jesus did on the cross as being complete, full, sufficient payment for your sin. You know, when Jesus was on that cross, Peter says that He was bearing your sin and my sin in His body. In other words, He was taking the punishment that was due for you because of of your sin. This change of condition, change of position, even if you will, it can happen to you today. It can happen to you today. If the Lord has spoken to you this morning and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, But maybe He's just kind of pulled at your heart. Maybe there's been times during the message where you just felt like, well, He's talking about me. Maybe some of you thought He's talking to me because that's exactly where I am. I'm apart from the Lord. I do not know Him. He's not my Savior and Lord. And I'm spiritually dead. But maybe the Lord has said to you this morning, let's fix that. Let's fix that. Would you bow your heads with me all over this room for just a moment? If that describes you, if that describes you today, you do not know Christ as Lord and Savior, but God has spoken to your heart. Here's what I want you to do. From your heart to His heart, take Him as your Lord and Savior. How do I do that, Jack? Well, let me lead you in a prayer. And like one of my pastor friends says, this prayer will not, pray, will not save you, but the one that, you're, that you'll pray to certainly can. Maybe you would pray something like this. Lord, I know that I need you. I'm lost. I fit the description of one who is dead spiritually. Lord, I want to fix that here today. And so by faith, I come to you, turning from my sin and repentance and turning to you. Lord, turning to what you did on the cross of Calvary as having been for me, for me personally, to pay for my sins. Lord, this morning I accept that sacrifice that you made.
as my very own. Lord, this morning I ask that You forgive me. Lord, this morning I ask that You would save me to bring me from spiritually dead to spiritually alive in You. Lord, thank You for saving me. Now with no one looking around for just a moment. You're here in this room this morning. I don't want you to think very far about this. Don't think about this. Just listen. You're here in this room this morning. You say, Jack, I prayed with you as you were praying. Ask God to forgive me of my sins. Ask Him to save me. Would you just either look at me or slip up your hand? I'm not coming to you. Just make eye contact with me or either slip up your hand very quietly. Look at me if you did. Come on. I'm not coming to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Anywhere in this room, I'm going to start on your left, my right, at the front, and look towards the back. If you're willing to say, Jack, as you were praying, I was asking Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Just make eye contact with me. Thank you. On, On your right, my left, I'll start here at the front and just work my way towards the back. And if you say, just by a lifting of your eyes at me, I ask Christ to forgive me. Would you pray for me? That's all I want to do this morning. Would you pray for me? Church, listen to me. The greatest of all miracles is when the Lord Jesus saved you. Without question. And can I just tell you today that you and I that know Him as Lord and Savior, we ought never Stop praising Him for what He did for us through the Lord Jesus. We ought never give Him anything less than our very best, our all and our all. And certainly, we ought never forget those that are still in their lostness, those that are still where we once were, those that are still residing where we used to live at in darkness and in lostness. Don't forget that those that are there ought to be the priority of your church. As our friend, Brother Tommy, and our pastor friend, Dr. Maurice Henson, said many, many times in my life when I was pastoring, Jack, keep the main thing, the main thing. Do not forget, church, where you've been brought from, what God did for you. Do not forget those that are still there. Hey, could I ask you a question, Christian? While I look at this VIP thing, this VIP day you're having right here, when's the last time that you seriously sat down and earnestly prayed that God would save someone in your family? When's the last time that you spent some time on your knees praying for that coworker? When's the last time that I'm not talking about a past passing little prayer at dinner time. I'm talking about some earnest time in prayer. Praying for your children, your grandchildren, or other family member. We're going to enter into a time of invitation. Your pastor's going to be down front. I have two things I'd like for you to do this morning. Number one, if you ask Christ to be your Lord and Savior, would you just come down and take Brother Tommy by the hand and just say, When that preacher was up there praying, I was praying asking Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I know this man well enough to know he's not going to embarrass you, but I sure do know that he'd love to pray with you and talk with you about this decision that you made to trust Christ. That's number one. 
Number two, Christian, why don't you spend a moment at this altar praying for maybe one person in your life that you need, that you know needs to know Christ as Lord and Savior. And even beyond that, praying that even this week, God might open a door, a window of opportunity for you to share with them about Jesus. Let's pray together. Miss Nancy's coming. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for these few moments that we've had to spend together in your word. Lord, I'm reminded today of the miracle of my salvation when I look at it through the lens of my past condition, my present position, and Lord, certainly my future transition. When you one day take someone who was lost with no hope and move them to a place of eternity in heaven forever. Lord, if there's one here that trusted you as Lord and Savior, give them the boldness just to step out from where they'll be standing in just a moment. Come take this pastor by the hand and let them know of their decision. Lord, for every, everyone in this room that claims the name of Christ, Lord, you place someone on their heart right now that needs to know you. God, they might spend a few moments either where they're standing or around this altar praying for that individual. We'll give you praise, honor, and glory for all that's accomplished in this place today. In Jesus' name.
Well, thank you so much for being here today. God bless you, Brother Jack. What a powerful word, man. What a powerful word. My prayer is that as you walk out of this place today and as you make your way into wherever the Lord may lead you to rest of the day, that you can do so with that confidence and knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. In the past week and a half, three people younger than me that I went to school with passed away. I'm 58. Last month, two that I graduated with passed away. You know what I'm learning? Other than I'm getting old, <laughs> death is not, a, is not for the, the elderly and the decrepit and the seriously ill. Our own students face tragedy in their school from one of their own. Folks, death is not a respecter of age or person. It is coming for all of us if the Lord tarries his return. And the time to make sure you know that you're saved is now because we do not know what tomorrow may hold. Thank you for being here today. God bless you. And especially for those of you that are our guests today, thank you so much for for coming and, and worshiping with us. I hope you'll all stay and, and uh, have the homecoming meal with us. We're going to be dismissed in prayer in just a moment. And uh, Rhonda, I'm going to ask if uh, you and, and Miss Jan and, and Brother Jack, if y'all kind of follow me, we're going to scoot out the side door after we pray. Uh, and again, it's not, uh, it's not a matter of us trying to, to, to avoid anything or anyone. It's just a matter of time. And so we're going to take a, the leave because of that. But thank you so much for being here. Let's take just a moment uh, to pray together. Our Father and our God, we thank you for the truth of your word. Sometimes, Lord, it's a sweet balm upon our, our soul and our heart. It brings us such relief and joy. But, Lord, we have to confess that sometimes it's like that sharp two-edged sword, that it cuts us to the very core of who we are, revealing the truth about us. And, Lord, I, I pray that... Today, we've allowed your word to do its perfect work in us. Lord, it's no accident that we're here. It's no accident that you laid upon Brother Jack the message that you gave to him to present. It's, it's no coincidence that these are the words that were spoken in during this hour. Lord, you intended for every one of us in this room to hear those words. Now, Lord, may we carry them with us. And, Lord, I pray if there's one here... That was apprehensive about making that choice today. That they won't lay their head down on their pillow tonight until they bow in their heart and mind before you, repent of their sins, and come to Jesus for salvation. Lord, we pray that you're going to bless our time of fellowship around the table. Bless the food. We pray, God, that it's just going to be a, a wonderful time of, of, of renewing friendships and relationships and and just celebrating who you are together around the table. We love you. We praise you. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And we are dismissed.